From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we are sports talking our way through the entire show. We are going to talk Guardians and Browns, then our second segment will be all about the Cavs on the heels of the NBA draft. We will wrap the show heading out on the road talking baseball, basketball, and our favorite, USFL. Son of a... (laughs) (laughs) No off-the-field segment tonight, and this may be the moment my wife stops listening for the week. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. Co-host Phil Danko is here. Hey, Gerbs. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet, buddy. Back from a well-deserved vacation, manager of communications for Hornets Basketball LLC, Chuck Rambaldo is here. Which Hornets? Don't look now, Chucky. You are leading all aspects of communications and media activities for the Charlotte Hornets G League team, the Greensboro Swarm. <laughs> Looking for a job that is almost as cool as what you want? Find it at Indeed.com. No, no. <laughs> All right, fellas, let's get going. Start at home in the land with our Guardians week cap, recapping the week for the Cleveland Guardians. The Guardians' 100-mile-per-hour joyride to the World Series hit a pothole of reality this weekend. <laughs> Guards took two of three from the Twins and first place in the division during the week, then came home and got swept by the Red Sox. Guards finished the week 36-32, and 32, two games back in the Central Division. The Red Sox are a legit team playing in the best division in baseball. Are the Guardians only good enough to compete in the crummy central? Or was this just a bad week? It was a bad week, but I think the the Guardians are so young. They're so young. So I think you put them in a division like the East and they would be in the bottom half. Even, you know, they would with their current record, I think, too. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, you're, you're playing good baseball, but you'd be looking up pretty far from the leaders of the division. So, you know, thank, thankfully we're in the central and we can be competitive while trotting rookie after rookie out there. Yeah. Thank God for the central division. They're the, they're the youngest team in baseball. And today they played, I believe the oldest roster in baseball. Uh, I think the Red Sox are like 31. What are the Indians at 24, maybe 24, yeah, 25. Yeah. The Red Sox have won seven series in a row, seven games in a row. I think somewhere around there, That that's a real, well put together baseball team as always. And we've talked about this. Everything has to go right for this, this team to win. And I don't think last week, you know, or the week before, whenever it was when they rattled off and they went to LA and they swept uh, the Rockies, that's great and all, but I I think you're going to have weeks like this. It's just, it's just going to happen. I don't know about getting swept by the Red Sox. If that upsets me as much as they should have swept the twins and did not, that's probably the bigger issue. Like you have to win those games. But yeah, they're just a young team. It's going to be up and down all year, all year. Maybe they got a little bit unlucky that they they caught the Red Sox when the Red Sox are playing the best baseball in the American League or probably all of baseball right now. They've just been fantastic in the month of June. We'll get to it a little bit later in the show, but they've got some amazing hitters on that team that are all hitting the ball right now. Guardians just didn't have an answer. I'm positive about the fact that they almost had the game on Saturday. One bad pitch from Bieber, and that decided yeah. that game. And and they were in that game and could have could have easily won it but for that one bad pitch. I'm negative because Friday night and today, they never felt like they were in the games. They were just getting run off the field by those guys, and that's that's a tough thing to watch, and it's tough to not be concerned that maybe we're a good, bad team, but we're not a team that can compete legitimately in the playoffs with some of the other teams that are in the American league yet, which I get is, Hey, it's a young team. They're still, you know, developing their identity and they may be a lot better in September than they are right now. But I would have liked to have seen closer games, at least if not one win this weekend from the guardians, but that's it for a weekend of baseball there. Let's talk hats for bats. Our look at the hot hitters for the guards this week. And we'll start with Quan, but not forgotten. Stephen Kwan continues to bounce back from a tough month of May with a great month of June. Last week, he hit 450 with nine hits, including a triple. Andres Jimenez on the list again, hit 435, nine hits, three RBIs, two stolen bases, just continues to be great. For the second week in a row, Ahmed Rosario is on the list. 360 this week, nine hits, including a home run and a four-hit game against the Twins in a win earlier in the week. And I'll just throw this in there as an honorable mention because I don't want to jinx it, but Fran Mill hit 300 in five games this week. So, Chuck, who gets your hat? 
probably Quan because he's bounced back and he's a really young player and he's batting now mostly leadoff if I'm looking correctly at most of these games. Somebody needs to bat leadoff because it's it's not strong anymore until he can work his stuff out. So I think it's I think it's him. He's he's done a really nice job uh, since being put there, and, and you got to have somebody who gets on gets on base. And, and I don't know if Straw was doing it. So just the fact that he's young, he's in a leadoff position. I'm I'm going to give it to that dude. Yeah, I think Juan's a good option. Uh, as soon as they put him in the leadoff position, he had four hits that first day. That was amazing. But <clears throat> I'm going to give it to Jimenez. That guy has quickly become. Uh, just kind of a spark plug in this lineup. He's hitting the ball all over the field. He gets hits in in clutch situations. He steals bases. He hits doubles, triples, has RBIs. He struck out twice all week. That's it. You take a guy like that, in a, especially in a position that we thought was a huge hole on this team, and all of a sudden he's making a bid for the all-star team, I think, at second base. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I saw somebody on Twitter today made the point that they'd much rather have Andres Jimenez right now than Frankie Lindor. I was like, yeah, I I don't even know if that's, that's really that novel an idea, buddy. I don't know if anybody would, would argue against that right now. How about we'd rather have Ahmed Rosario than Frankie Lindor. Yeah. Yeah, That's a little bit more of a, that's a little more of a bold or hot take or whatever, but um, I'm going with Quan too, just because we needed somebody to, to take over that leadoff spot with, with Miles Straw struggling the way that he is and Quan's just done such a good job and does do a lot of things he's getting on base he's drawing walks doesn't strike out much steals bases the guy can bring a lot to that offense and I think you don't miss a beat from a good Miles Straw to Quan in the leadoff spot uh, and that's something I don't think we ever thought we would have this year, like a, a, a serviceable replacement for Miles Straw because he's struggling. So I'm giving my hat for the week to Quan. Let's go out to the mound with our K jeweler mound gems. Every K begins with K. Zach Plesak took a loss against the Twins, but six innings, three hits, only gave up one run. Shane Bieber took a loss against the Red Sox, but seven innings, six hits. As I said earlier, only one bad pitch in that outing. Emmanuel Classe, he had no wins, but he had three saves, no hits, no runs, and four Ks during the week. Which of these losers gets your mound, Jim? <laughs> I'm going to give it to Classe. He's just, he's been so consistent this season. He had a, another week of 0.00 ERA. Uh, the guy just trots out there and gets them out of games. And, and on that road trip, they won like five of their seven games in the last at bat. So he got a lot of work in that, in that, uh, road trip and he and you almost would understand if he came back and this last week kind of had a bump or two and he didn't he, he just keeps getting guys out it's become a done deal at the end of the game classe is the obvious choice but i want to give it to police because he had to, he, on wednesday he had the best start he's had all this all season by far and it was wasted again like i keep sticking on wednesday <laughs> like they should have won that game and there's a there's a black hole in the bottom three of that lineup and but any anywho he pitched a hell of a game that he should have won, so I'm going to give them. You and I are definitely on the same page after nice. your vacation, Chuck. You're really stepping up your game. Again, it was a guy <laughs> who struggled some early this year, but the last few weeks has really locked it down. And, man, if we could get Tristan McKenzie to lock in the way Plesak has found a way over the last two or three weeks to lock in, this starting rotation would be absolutely fantastic. It would be just as good as we hoped it would be at the beginning of the year. I think a really solid outing from him, and it's just a bummer that they, they found a way not to be able to, to pull that game out and win it. Looking ahead to next week, division leaders week for the Guardians. The team is home all week with five games against the first place Twins and three against the first place Yankees. Who is in first in the AL Central at the end of the week? I think the Twins, but I Ooh. think the gap closes by one game. <laughs> I think we I think we gain a game on them. I think I think we're going to take three out of five. five a five game series is tough, man. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's rough. It's it's so hard to to sweep a what is it the the Tuesday doubleheader or whatever. So you come yep. out of that series going three and two and you gain a game. So you're game out. And then I, I'm a little, little, a little worried about the uh, weekend <laughs> series against the Yankees. Oh. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> We're going to get to that too. Chuck, what do you think? Who's in first place in the AL central at the end of the week? I, th- I think it's still the twins and Phil's probably right. They'll gain a game or two here. And I know the twins have real issues with their pitching. I think a lot of guys are hurt on that staff, which bodes well for the young guardians, but, um, 
I, I just five games is I, I can't imagine playing five games in 10 days uh, and these guys are doing it that quickly. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's a rough turnaround and, and they're the king of double headers this season so far, but, but still I think something goes weird. Something's going to happen really weird this week. I think that they'll lose a game or two, um, but yeah, I think they gain a little ground, but it's still the twins. I think that they're going to be able to take over the division this week. Twins are, aren't really playing any better than they had been the last few weeks. And during the broadcast of those games, they kept on harping on the fact that the twin starters only average like four and a half innings a game. You're just never going to be able to win in a, in a sustained way when you're not getting any more than that from your starting pitching. So I think that they can do well against the twins and the Yankees as good as they are right now. We're going to talk about it later in the show. As good as they are, they're not playing that great over the last couple of weeks. So, or as great as they were. So, I don't know. Maybe there's a maybe there's a chance to to get out in that Yankees series with one win, maybe two would be amazing. The Guardians may start to benefit from the fact that the Twins are coming back down to earth and maybe aren't as good as they were the first month or two of the season, uh, and that's how they're going to make up ground from the other team being shitty. So, I think the Guardians can get back into first place by the end of the week, but. It would not shock me if they weren't, given the teams that they're playing, how many games in a row they've been playing, uh, and how that would impact this team. That's it for our Guardians week cap. We are going to move on and talk Brown movements, our look at Cleveland Browns player transactions. Nobody changed teams this week, but Deshaun Watson did settle almost all of his civil cases and the news is that his disciplinary hearing will start this week. Uh, this will be the first time, I think, that one of these hearings goes forward under the new collective bargaining agreement. So this doesn't actually go to Roger Goodell first as a decision maker. It goes to an independent arbitrator, a uh, former federal judge. She is going to render her decision on what type of punishment he deserves. And then either side can appeal that decision. The appeal would go to Goodell or Goodell can appoint somebody else to hear it. And on that review, they can modify, increase, or decrease any discipline that's ordered by the independent arbitrator. And then that's the final one. Then it's over after that. The leaked information that's been out this weekend is saying that the NFL is looking for an indefinite suspension that lasts at least one season. Uh, the players union is already gearing up for a fight on Watson's behalf focusing on the limited punishments that owners have received recently for shitty conduct as part of their reason for saying that Watson deserves uh, a lenient punishment. Where do you think the suspension for Watson ends up? I think his lawyer is the same Deflategate lawyer, and that guy did a pretty nice job. I guess I have to look at this analytically and not personally. I think it settles around six. I think it's going to be around six games. The NFL is pushing indefinite, which means a year. And he probably deserves that year, maybe more. You know, like we, we talked about how scummy this feels, man. And Gerb, I know you have a different take because you're, you're a lawyer. But I think it settles in around six, to be honest. I, I think that appeases both uh, the Players Union and the NFL. I just worry that I think the language, and I may be wrong, is whatever this judge hands down, Goodell still has the final say. Uh, I believe he can have the final say. So if the NFL wants a year, they'll get it. I just think it's going to be, I think it's going to be six games. I think it settles in around eight and that's probably after it all gets, you know, argued on either, on either end. So it probably starts, maybe it start. well, I, I can't imagine it starting at a year and it going all the way down to eight. <laughs> that's a big drop off, but uh, you know, maybe it starts a little higher than that. And then that, that's where they agree. I, I have no real reason to feel this way. I feel like um, this might be Goodell's opportunity to finally make a statement with this scummy shit since he has not with the owners. And maybe that's a legacy thing in his mind, which is. I don't think Goodell cares about his legacy at all. <laughs> his legacy is making me? money. <laughs> he, he wants. I give a shit about Good the rest of this stuff. Goodell thought it was a good idea to give away his own chair. The guy is so that's full true. of himself. Like he just wants to be loved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, so, but that's, that's kind of my fear is he uses this as an opportunity to, to get that headline. Like NFL finally comes down appropriately on someone with sexual misconduct. And see, I think the problem for the NFL is that they were just on Capitol Hill this week dealing with the fact that like the Washington commanders had this horrible 
workplace environment where there probably was a lot more than 20 moments of sexual harassment or improper conduct. And they got fined like 10 million bucks, but no, nobody's taken Dan Snyder out of that organization. And I don't think there's anything stupider than Congress spending time investigating the NFL. There are several bigger picture items and more important <laughs> things for Congress to be doing than to be telling Roger Goodell he should remove an owner of a franchise. Like yeah. that's just give me a break. God, I was so mad. I think you guys are right though. I think it's like six or eight games. Uh, I think that's a significant amount of time. I think that the arbitrator is going to hear evidence similar to what the grand jury's heard in Texas. And no matter what we think about what's written in all these complaints and just the sheer volume of them, that might be conduct that a somebody who's a federal judge and has probably seen some nasty shit is going to look at and say, this warrants punishment, but it doesn't warrant a, a severe punishment like a year-long suspension. I would love to see him get like six games and be fined like 30 million bucks and, and use that money to donate to women's groups and things like that. Like do that, man, S hit him in yeah. the wallet, the same as you would hit Dan Snyder. Yeah. Yep. Then you have a significant sounding punishment that doesn't take away his opportunity to play. It's interesting. I think we're, we're in the ballpark, something maybe between six and 10 yeah. would be yeah. it. We can talk about where the Browns are in the playoff hunt. If they don't have their starting quarterback <laughs> for 10 games, but maybe that's a conversation for a different day. <laughs> because this is pretty serious stuff that's going to be happening this Baker week. Baker will win six of those games. <laughs> yeah, oh <God>. <laughs> <laughs> be awesome. <laughs> I wonder if there's somebody sitting in that organization right now thinking out loud, like, you know, Baker might do it. He might do it, right? It's uh, a Disney movie script, man. It's a Disney yeah, right, movie. Right? Uh, <laughs> it's a weird Disney movie script. <laughs> so main character can't play because of sexual harassment allegations. No, I don't think they include that In comes that this part. guy for a comeback. <laughs> Those guys at Disney. All right, fellas. Why don't we end our at-home segment here? We're going to take our first break. We're going to come back, go off the court, and talk Cleveland Cavaliers basketball. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We're going to head off the court. And since we never really got a chance to wrap up the most fun Cavs season since 2016, with the 2022 draft now completed, seems like a good time to dive in on Cavs basketball again. As you may recall, Cavs finished 44-38 and 38 and as the ninth seed in the Eastern Conference. A successful season by any measure, but one that was also derailed by key injuries throughout the season. Based on the finish, the Cavs drafted 14th on Thursday night. Before we get to the draft, let's look back at last season and tell me what was the most memorable thing about that year for you? That most of us were wrong about this team, that we thought they had no chance to be competitive, uh, no chance other than I think you, Gerb, said they would make the playoffs. I think we were all wrong yeah, yeah. there. Yeah. The most memorable thing for me as the Cavs corresponded watching that team early on was like, oh, man, there might be something brewing here. Uh, there, there might be yeah. a, a young core who plays real basketball, team basketball. That's the most. You, you saw a team that really got along with each other, enjoyed playing with each other. Uh, and, but all that might be mute to the resurgence of Kevin Love on this team. Uh, we talked about it multiple times. A guy who was a hero, then a villain, and now a hero again in Cleveland who embraced his role. And probably had one of his best years here, uh, barring the championship year. It was just an all-around season that I was so wrong on. It became so fun to watch this team. I think the most memorable thing for me was what we kept relating this team to. And it was the the team, the Mark Price, Brad Doherty, Larry Nance, Hot Rod Williams team of, of the late 80s. And, and how we talked about this was the first time regular season basketball in Cleveland was fun to watch in a long, long time. And that probably yeah. includes every one of LeBron James regular seasons here in Cleveland, right? It was just so fun to see six and seven guys night in and night out in double figures. And, and that included a resurgence of old man Kevin Love and the improvement from one season to the next of a Darius Garland. And then you see Evan Mobley and, and these guys just take over. And it was, it was so much fun to watch in a regular season that I typically just shit on. I, I hate the NBA regular season. I usually think, I think it's pointless and this was anything but pointless for the Cleveland Cavaliers this year. That was a great season and we saw a lot of growth. And if it wasn't for a couple injuries at the end, they would have been a legitimate playoff team already. But then we would have lost this first round pick. 
So it all kind of worked out. <laughs> well, so losing yeah, to it's the like Chiefs. I know, lose to the Chiefs. It's the best <laughs> thing to do. Losing is actually winning. I'm trying to explain this to you guys. <laughs> Nothing that you guys have said about last season is wrong. Every single thing you guys bring up is like a great part of getting to watch that season. If there was one thing that I would focus on, it's the rise of Darius Garland. It was a guy who I think everybody knew had a ton of potential but you weren't exactly sure what kind of player he was going to be. You thought Sexton going down so early in the year was going to be problems for the team. And in the end, all it did was give Garland the opportunity to show that he is a superstar in the making. And I think beyond even the ability to score, distribute, make smart decisions, I think this guy is totally unafraid of crunch time. And I think he's a guy who, when they need a big bucket in a playoff game is going to be able to d deliver it or is at least not going to be afraid to take the shot. Man, to see that in a guy that young, oh, man, that's exciting. Uh, I cannot wait to see how he develops in the next two or three years, especially when you put him alongside guys like Mobley and Jared Allen. Like, that's going to be such a fun team to watch. I couldn't be more excited. I wish the season was starting tomorrow, but it's not. Uh, which is good because we need time to practice with our new players that came in the draft. So the draft was Thursday night. Cavs picked number 14, as I said. Their first pick this year was Ochai Abaji from Chuck's alma mater, Kansas. Yes. He's 22 years old, six foot four, 217 pounds, which is way too close to my weight, but he's nine <laughs> inches taller than me. <laughs> he averaged 18.8 points 5.1 rebounds last season shot 47 percent from the field and made around 41 percent of his three-pointers the other picks that the Cavs had in the draft at number 39 they took Khalifa Diop from Grand Canaria at number 49 they took Isaiah Mobley from USC at number 56 they took Luke Travers from somewhere in Australia can you believe that Cleveland Charge GM Brendan Yu was able to get Diop and Luke Travers in the same draft? <laughs> <laughs> Scale of one to five. One being the 1986 draft where the Cavs selected Brad Doherty and Ron Harper. Five being the 2001 draft where the Cavs selected DeSagna, Diop, <laughs> Brendan Haywood, and Dr Jeff Trapagnier. Close. Where would you grade this draft? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I... Uh, who knows, right? Like it's, it, there's so much that has to be seen here, but I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it at a three. I guess that's right in the middle. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's, that's only because I think, I think with our first pick, we got exactly what this team needed. Uh, we just drafted someone older than half our starters. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, he's like, he's already 22. He's going to immediately come out there and, and get minutes. And then you get Evan Mobley's older brother in the draft, which is yep. funny too. Like that's, uh, th that's pretty cool. Probably won't make the team, but, you know, it'll be fun for the family for a while. <laughs> you think Evan Mobley's going to let him stay at his place, like during training camp and stuff like that? Yeah. Crash on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck, what do you think? Scale of one to five. Um, shocked Phil doesn't think that the Mobleys can take on the Antetokounmpo's or whatever in the all-star game. Some things, you yeah, know, like is there another maybe. Mobley somewhere? Maybe. I'm sure there's be a cool. Mobley somewhere else. <laughs> uh, I'm right in the middle, too. Um I don't know if any of the other guys contribute. It's nice that they drafted that point guard from Australia. We need somebody to replace Delhi for the last like three or four years. <laughs> the only one I care about is a kid from Kansas, uh, to be honest. You know he's going to contribute from day one. Yeah, I've never shied away about how much I hate Kansas. But watching this tournament and watching that kid play, I can remember, man, he'd be he'd be a good fit for the Cavs. Uh, so I'm hoping that's the case. I don't I don't care that he's older. It's it's nice that he's a four year college player. Uh, and if you read any of his backstory after he got drafted, that he wasn't highly recruited, he didn't have many offers, and then Kansas came in real late. Uh, he sounds like a super hard worker. And he might, I mean, in the NBA, what does he project to be? I, I don't know. He's a D and three guy, which is fine by me, you know, like, which is, which is fine by me, but he can guard mm -hmm. pretty much like what I read. He guard everybody except the center, you know, so he fits this scheme with this team who plays defense. So I, I'm right in the middle. It might be more like a two and a half because I think, I think like, He's more NBA ready right now than probably Okoro is or, or some of the other guys, the younger guys on this roster. Why well, I'd probably go a little bit higher and say it's it's a two on our scale. It's not it's not the Brad Doherty, Ron Harper draft for sure, but it's still pretty good because they're filling a need. They don't need another young project. Yeah. 
Uh, we, we've got a couple of those already. That That's still Darius Garland, maybe. That's definitely still Evan Mobley. We don't need to add another guy like that who might turn into something more in three years or might be a bust. You know, we need somebody solid. We need three-point shooting, rebounding, and defense are always going to be valuable the way this team plays. You love his size. And so I think I really like the draft because they didn't do anything – wild and crazy they went for a really solid pick who apparently has like the work ethic and background just like baker mayfield and we saw how that worked out for the browns so i I mean i think that (laughs) so i i really like that pick at 14 i I don't know about these other guys and whether we're going to see them anywhere else besides the g league but why not you know we added another seven footer you can never have too many of those with abaji coming in Who's going to be the odd man out? Karis LeVert, Isaac Okoro, Colin Sexton, nobody, all of them? I don't think anybody's going to be an odd man out unless there's some sort of package deal here. Uh, nobody was impressed with LeVert. I still give him a little bit of a pass because I don't know how well he fit in when he came into this team, but I, I think he'll play better for this team next season. I'd like that they get deeper. You know, like if Sexton's a guy who's going to move to the bench and come off with that second unit with love, that – that impresses me, you know, like I'm, I'm going to be super into that. So it's, it's a luxury to have that we're talking about guys who, who can all play. I don't think there's any odd men out uh, on the roster, even with adding this kid who's going to play from day one. They don't get an unlimited amount of players. At some point, you know, they've got to make a decision. Somebody's not going to be staying. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I should have added like Seti Osman to this list or something yeah. like that. Or Dean Wade. They just re-signed Dean Wade though. So I don't Phil, what do you think? I don't know. That's an interesting question. I think I agree with Chuck in that the team just got deeper. Um, so if you keep if you keep Levert, Okoro, and Sexton, two of those guys you got to think are coming off the bench, right? So yeah, if a guy like Levert and Okoro come off the bench with that second unit, you've got a scorer that we hoped we had in Levert, and you had a de- you have a defense first guy in Okoro. If Levert and Okoro come off the bench, who's playing the point? You don't want Levert. Well, I guess you're yeah. right. So I guess yeah. Sexton. So maybe all three of those guys are are relegated to the second squad, right? Like you might have Sexton, Akuro, and Levert, and Kevin Love coming off the bench if Abaji starts. You know, yeah, that's that's assuming he starts, which he may he may not be yeah, yeah. a starter. He may be a good. Bench he may guy. not. So you you might still have so maybe Akuro starting at the or Sexton mm-hmm. starting at the two. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to do that though. Like that that's such a small. Although we talked about it last year, like you have two 6-foot guards and three 7-foot forwards. Like, all right, it all it all averages out. Um it's interesting cuz I I think if you went down the bench last year and you mentioned Dean Wade and some of these other guys, maybe you lose some of that end of the bench guys and you keep all these guys, right? Like it's like why not? Why would you get rid of an Isaac Okoro or or a Colin Sexton unless you unless you can get something really good back by packaging two players for one star kind of thing, right? That's almost exactly why I think if there is an odd man out in those three, it's Levert. There's too much upside, I think, still to Okoro. And Sexton is another one of those like borderline, could this be a superstar? He's just too good to move unless you're getting something really great in return. But Levert's in the final year of his deal, which makes him more tradable in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Um, He's never been quite the right fit or at least he wasn't i i agree it's hard to come in mid-season like that and then there were injuries and the team changed i'm not saying i would give up on lavert but i think if i've got to make a choice between those guys because we can't be darius garland seven footers and then nothing else but wings you know we need other positions <laughs> too uh, um, and so it, it feels like maybe lavert's a guy that that can be moved if you're going to move somebody. Maybe it's a good problem to have, and you've got all these guys. You're able to move somebody else who's a little bit further down the bench. I don't know. I, I just don't think I, we see Levert on the team this year. We'll see. All right, so tell me, which of these measurements is the most important for the Cavs to build on their success last year as they head into next season? Eight feet, the distance from the rim that Jared Allen needs to extend his range. Next one, 10 pounds, the amount of muscle Evan Mobley should add this offseason. Next one, two inches, the height of special lifts I've created to get Garland up the average height for a point guard. (laughs) 10 months, the length of time between potential free agent signing Ricky Rubio's ACL tear and opening night of the NBA 2022 season. 
Wow. So until you threw that last one in there, I was leaning towards the 10 pounds of muscle on Evan Mobley because uh, he's going to need that and more, I think, as his career goes on. But um, the Rubio thing's interesting. That's uh, that's the piece this team so sorely missed last year. And you, you could see it like all that youth on this team. I would love to have Rubio back. I wonder how he's doing with his recovery. Ten months puts him like, all right, so that's when the season starts. So he might he might not be able to play till maybe, you know, December, January. But that's a guy that we ex- that's the exact guy we need for the, yeah. the second yeah, half we of love the season, right? Yeah. So I'm going to lean towards the Rubio thing. I kind of hope that happens. I think that's good, great for the locker room. I think that's great for the play on the floor, especially for a good playoff run. Well, I don't disagree with Phil because Rubio is a real pro. Uh, and I'm sure those young guys can learn a lot from him. I think it's the 10 pounds of muscle, if not a little bit more because Evan Mobley is going to be a problem for this league. Like he showed certain flashes in games. There's like, this guy can be unstoppable. And other than his frame, you know, that, and I'm not saying, you know, I mean, Kevin Durant's really skinny (laughs) and I'm not comparing the two, but for Mobley to bang a little lower towards the rim, I think he needs a little more girth. I, I think, I think he should start getting on Job's maybe doing some, some, some plyos, stuff like that. But 10 pounds of muscle, I think changes his game a little bit more because that that's a dude that besides Garland, we know Garland is probably a superstar in the making. I don't think Mobley's far behind him until he passes him. And I think that happens in the next two years. I don't disagree with that at all. And I don't think comparing Mobley and Kevin Durant is unfair or bad. Like Mobley's not as good as him yet, but man, that's very, very similar games. The very similar size, similar body type. Mobley needs to develop the outside shooting that Durant has to be in the conversation with him and and a little bit of the aggression that he has as well. I'm going with eight feet. Uh, Jared Allen, still my favorite player on this Cavs team. And I think he becomes so dangerous if he can work on like a like a little like jump hook or something like that, or just a shots a little bit further away from the rim. So he's not just grabbing rebounds and putting back dunks. And he gets real dangerous if he can develop a little bit more range. Uh, it's a little bit like, and again, not a not a comparison guy to guy, but I remember thinking the same thing about Shaq his first year first two years we're like gosh man if this guy could develop a game five feet from the rim he's going to be unstoppable and he did and he was unstoppable and maybe one of the best basketball players we ever got to see play i'm not saying jared allen is Shaq. that's not (laughs) what i'm saying i just want to see him in the gym working on a little bit more range to um add that weapon into his arsenal going into next season which is going to be so much fun uh, and that's the first time we've said that about Cavs yeah. basketball since like 2017. Yeah. <laughs> so come on, Cavs season. Let's go. Let's get here already. But we're going to end our Cavs talk there. We are going to take our final break. We're going to come back, go out on the road. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We will head out on the road. And I think that from time to time, we get a little too focused talking about our Guardians, and we don't do enough time looking at and talking about what else is happening throughout Major League Baseball. So why don't we look at the teams that are leading the American League and the National League? We'll start in the American League. Yankees have already won more than 50 games. They are on pace right now to win 120. The Astros are the second best team in the American League. They're nine games off the Yankees' pace right now. Any. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's talk national league now is anybody stopping the yankees in the american league they're real good uh real real good i don't it's not going to be from the central whether it's the twins or the guardians or anybody else and the astros i oh gotta hate the astros i don't hate the yankees like you guys all hate the yankees uh i don't think so they look phenomenal mike judge is having a uh a career year that he's a you know like it's a shame for mike for judge created beavis and butthead yeah i'm Aaron sorry judge? yeah no. i know sorry yeah, Aaron right. yeah yeah go right. tribe it's pronounced guardians. Mike might be having a it's good year too. Guardians. um <laughs> but yeah he's, he's having an unbelievable year uh so i don't think so. i don't know if they went 120 plus but I, I i think they're coming out of the uh the al I I can't see anyone beating the Yankees in the American League this year, but 
the fun thing about baseball is there's been plenty of Yankees teams that trotted into the postseason with the best record in the regular season by far, and they lose a series to a team like the Blue Jays or the Astros or something like that. So I'll continue to hope for that uh, to occur. But right now, I think uh, the Yankees are just on a on an absolute tear. They're so deep. It's almost amazing when they, they don't win uh, a series, if that has even happened yet, given them 50 wins already at this. 53 as of today. So I'm not sure if they've lost any series or if they've lost more than one, I'd be I'd yeah. be surprised. I guess the only thing you can say, and you, this is when you start really reaching to find a reason somebody's going to beat them, is you look at a team like Houston that has more playoff and more World Series experience right now than that Yankees team does, and maybe that gets them through it in the playoffs. I don't know. Otherwise, the American League is full of a bunch of good teams, but nobody even close to the Yankees. Like if the Yankees weren't there, like if somehow the Yankees got kicked out of the American League right now, we'd probably have like a really good yeah. pennant race because there's a bunch of teams who are all kind of that same like 36, 37 wins right now, um, all with some good things, all with some flaws. You'd have some exciting baseball. But I don't think the Yankees are getting kicked out of the American League anytime soon. And so I think we're going to have to deal <laughs> with the fact that they're probably going to the World Series this year. Sweet. Moving on to the National League, it's a lot more interesting. The Mets, the Braves, the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Dodgers, and the Padres are all within four or five games of each other right now. Is there a team in that group that's going to run away with the National League? Or are we getting a 16 pennant race down to the wire and heading into the playoffs? I don't think anyone's going to run away with it. The six teams you had just mentioned, the Mets are bound to to go on some stupid losing streak, right? They're the Mets. <laughs> you know, so I think they have the best record right now, but they'll probably come back. And it's not that by that far. They'll come back a little bit. Uh, the Braves are the reigning champions, right? Uh -huh. Do I remember that correctly? Uh -huh. Isn't that, that what, is happened? what happened? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, right. I thought I thought that's what happened. Uh, so the National League is really interesting because then you look to the you look to the West, and I think everyone would assume the Dodgers and the Padres would be the two running away with the National League, and they're not. They're not even running away from each other. It'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. But those six teams, I think it's it's kind of cool that they're evenly split between the divisions yeah. too. That that might set up for a really cool, uh, interesting National League playoff run. I wish. The American League was bunched up like the National League right now, where after the All-Star break, you see those six teams really competing for not only their division, but for the pennant. The National League has been fun to watch uh, for the past couple of years. Young, exciting players in there. I hope the Padres make like it feels like the Padres should have made a run within the last couple of years. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see them go, but I, I really it's it's super weird here, but. I'm almost pulling for the Brewers. It feels like comparable to our Guardians market size, uh, even though they spend more money. You know, like in, I think the uniforms are pretty hot shit this year. I think they look fucking phenomenal. You know, like, <laughs> but the National League seems to be a at least more fun to watch from, from what I'm sampling uh, most nights on TV. If I had to pick one, and since I wrote the question, I think I, I do. I, I think if there's a team that could run away with it, maybe it's the Padres. Because they're still in the mix, and I think they've had injury trouble all year. And so if they can if they can survive, get healthy, they might be the team that pops and, and, and runs away with this thing. But that's a pretty big if, and I have a feeling we're more likely to see at least three or four of these teams hold on the entire season and, and make it interesting down, down the stretch. So that's a lot of fun. And I agree with you 100%. I'd much rather see that than six teams in the American League battling it out to see who's going to get creamed <laughs> by the Yankees in four games yeah. in the ALCS. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's look at some players. And I want you guys to tell me who should be the most pissed off in these situations. First one, Shohei Otani had eight RBIs on Tuesday night and struck out 13 on Wednesday night. The Angels are already more than 10 games out of first place. <laughs> Next one, Red Sox, who just beat on us all weekend. Three of the top five hitters for average in the American League are on the Red Sox. Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, who killed the Guardians this weekend, and J.D. Martinez. But they're in third place in their division. Next one, Aaron Judge. First in home runs, third in RBIs, 
fourth in total bases, and almost had to go to a salary arbitration with the Yankees on Friday to figure out what he was going to get paid this year. So for some reason, the Yankees apparently don't want to pay Aaron Judge a whole bunch of money. Uh, last one, New York Mets. Frankie Lindor is only hitting 243 this year. He does have 52 RBIs. But if, I don't know. Mets, ee, maybe not exactly what they thought they were getting. So pick somebody to be pissed off in that situation. It's Otani. This guy is doing it at a major league level with the best player on your high school team did weekly. It's amazing what this guy does. <laughs> and how is he not like a top three face of baseball? I don't get it. Same thing with like Mike Trout. Like everybody should know who this guy is. The fact that he pitches and hits and hits for a ton and hits for average. Uh, he's the most exciting player in baseball to me, at least. Just, I always love anomalies like this guy. Who else is pitching and playing the field on their non-pitching days? Who was the last guy to do it that, that that was of recognition? Babe Ruth? And then they just made him feel like he stopped pitching. It's got to be Otani should be mad forever. It's, it's definitely Otani. The other three examples you gave, those are all teams probably going to sniff the postseason and go pretty far in the postseason, whereas the Angels have no shot at postseason play, really. That stat line in a two-day period is ridiculous. If, if you were in a full-time hitter and you had eight RBI in the middle of a week, you would lead all sports centers, right? Like that's just yeah. insane. If you were a full-time pitcher and you struck out 13 yeah. guys, yeah. you would get the ESPN's version of the mound gem, whatever that is, <laughs> right? Like that's, and he did it back-to-back -back days. It's interesting to me. He's so good at both sides. I don't know how you choose which one to push him towards as his career goes on. And my opinion on it now, and maybe it'd be different if he was on our team, yeah. but why, why choose? choose? You know, at this point, why choose? Let him do this. As long as he can stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he should be pissed for sure because he is doing things that we haven't seen in 100 years in baseball, and uh, and they won't be in the postseason. I'm going to go with Aaron Judge. He oh. is putting up ridiculous numbers for an organization that he has been with for his entire career that is the same organization that never has any trouble paying people gigantic amounts of money, and for some reason they're fighting with this guy about it. I don't know if he knocked over the Steinbrenner statue or something like that. And people don't know about it. It's just, they just don't like him. I, I don't understand. Like if you're the New York Yankees, why aren't you paying this guy 300 million for the next like six years? I don't know. I don't get it. So I'd be pissed. If I was Aaron judge, but I do like the fact that if he becomes a free agent, there might be a spot in the middle of the lineup for the guardians that he could fill. <laughs> All right, let's let's bounce back to the NBA real quick uh, because now that the draft is done, it's time for free agents to start moving around again. And the biggest and most predictable news from last week was that we're starting to hear rumors that Kyrie wants out of Brooklyn. Uh, negotiations for his new contract there have apparently turned acrimonious. Sounds like he may be done in Brooklyn. If Kyrie leaves, think about where that leaves Kevin Durant. He's still signed with Brooklyn through 2026, and he's already heading into his 16th season, which blows my mind that he's been in the league that long. I would have never guessed that. If Kyrie leaves, he's going out on the court with Ben Simmons, Blake Griffin, and no draft picks in Brooklyn for years. Uh, and have we suddenly got to come to terms with the fact that this guy's not making the finals in Brooklyn or anywhere else, and we're going to see this guy play his entire career and maybe only win two titles? Is that possible? Yeah, it's it's possible. I guess in the NBA, though, if if that's what his roster is left with, he can kind of force a, a trade, <laughs> you know, force some movement if you want. Those guys yeah. are forcing trades with a year left, or maybe they're notifying them with a year and a half left. But four years is a long time. Like, he can do it in two years, but I, I think he's yeah. stuck there for a little bit. Maybe they take the opposite approach, and they do like a sign-and-trade with Kyrie if he doesn't want to be there, and, and you reunite – Durant and 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 Westbrook or something ah. like that, and then LeBron and Kyrie gets reunited in L.A. See, there we go. Yeah. There's our winning time storyline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a lot better deal for LeBron than it is for KD. That's for sure. No. Chuck, what do you think? Heck yeah. I, I'm gonna try to frame this correctly. Kyrie Irving is an unbelievable basketball player. I'll never be mad at him for wanting to leave Cleveland because. That's the biggest shot in the history of, of Cleveland sports, of Cleveland basketball, by far. But part of me goes, if he just would have stayed, what would this team have looked like for the next three years? 
you know, like LeBron Lee's whatever. If you had that young guard who looked like a superstar in the making, which he is, he's just so out there. And Cleveland, he didn't want there. Boston didn't want to deal with his shit. Uh, and it sounds like now the, the Nets don't want to deal with his shit either. So if he goes to L.A., are, are we looking at what it could have been, you know, five years ago, four years ago here in Cleveland with him? That's what upsets me. I'll never take away from from the talent that guy has. But it pisses me off when you're that talented and there's just maybe it's just not your thing, right? Like maybe maybe being a superstar basketball player isn't what you're really concerned with. And that's OK. It just upsets me thinking about what could have been here in Cleveland, even if LeBron left and you still had Kyrie on this team. Things could have been different. Does it upset me that Kevin Durant may never win again? I don't give two fucks. I don't like that. You know, like, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, like I, don't, I don't care. You know, like if, yeah. if he if he is, you know, struggling on a 500 team, good. Does it affect his legacy? Probably not. The guy's a, a top 20 player probably all time when it's said and done. But man, if he, if I go back to Kyrie, if he ends up in LA, if he ends up on the Lakers, that reshapes that team. You know, like it's a guy who who can still play at an extremely high level. I just wanted him to be more committed at all times. It's it's weird. It's, it's it's I don't know how to properly like I'm having a tough time vocalizing how I want to talk about Kyrie Irving because I'm so thankful for Kyrie Irving. But at the same point, you know, like yeah. at the same point I go, you know, like you you could have been a top 5 face in the NBA in your career. And and that's not what he wants. Never could take anything away from him for what he did for those Cavs yeah. teams and, and helping win that title. You know, you don't forget like games five, six, and seven, him and LeBron yeah. were unstoppable yeah. together in that 2016 series. Yep. I don't know that he's ever been that good again, though. No. But once he left, no. I, I mean, he has his moments. He's still like maybe the, one of the best finishers I've seen as like a smaller guard maybe of all time in, in my life, maybe of all time yeah, I mean, to get to the rim. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Yeah. His, yeah, yeah. His game, his game at the rim is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised. And I do think it will impact Kevin Durant's legacy. If he is now just stuck in Brooklyn, Siberia for a couple of years, gets out, goes to another team, but he, by then he's in his 18th season. Yeah. I'm surprised he ends with only two titles and two titles that, like, he joined the already best team in basketball to win. Uh, I think that does impact his legacy, man. I think when you get to these upper echelon guys in the NBA, they're all counting rings. They all want to get to Michael or Kobe or LeBron level, and they need rings to do it. And if he only ends with two, I, I think that will impact how people look at him. Unfairly, of yeah. course, the guy's awesome. Yeah. Um it just surprises me that it is falling apart so quickly in Brooklyn. And I do think that's partially just like Kyrie's a tough guy to, to be with and play with. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not maybe reliable. But let's talk about something that is reliable. The USFL. <laughs> Second first ever playoffs <laughs> in USFL dominated sports on Saturday afternoon. Do you believe in miracles? I just made that up. <laughs> Philadelphia Stars. <laughs> Philadelphia Stars upset the Houston Whatchamacallits 19 to 14 to punch their tickets to the championship game. The Birkingham Stallions took care of business and eliminated the Breakers. Sets up the Stars versus the Stallions in the championship game for the USFL. And I'd like to know what we should call it. Because we've been calling it the USFL Super Bowl. Obviously, that's not okay. Nobody's allowed to use that branding. So I've got some options. I want you guys to tell me which one of these you think is the best or give me your own if you want to. First one, the Sort of Bowl. Second one, the Quilted Northern Toilet Paper Bowl. The third one, the Bowl Bowl. Come on. <laughs> Last option. <laughs> Is yep, it spelled B O L B O L? It should be bowl bowl. Bowl bowl, like the, like a Super Bowl bowl. B O W L B O W L. Okay, last no, one. Get get Manute's son out there. <laughs> last option. The Roop is Lob. That's Super Bowl backwards. <laughs> so Chuck, which one of those do you want to go with for the USFL championship oh, game? They're all the shits. They're all terrible. Um, I think if you go the. The Super Bowl backwards, it's still probably the NFL has a case there for some sort of trademark violation. Like maybe. So maybe. personal favorite is Bull Bowl. 
I, yeah, I, I like the bowl bowl. We can work that into some sort he's of promotion, there. right? Where he's out, he's out there. Maybe he he's, he does the coin flip. It's the highest the coin flip post. in the history he of football. There like this. <laughs> yeah, he just stands there. <laughs> bowl bowl. All right. Well, you're both wrong. It's obviously Rufus Lob. Um, so, Kayla one to five. One being a documentary about the 1995 NDCL varsity baseball team. Five being the documentary Beauty of Maps. Looking at maps in incredible detail to highlight their artistic attributes. Where is your level of interest in next week's Bowl Bowl? My team is in the Bowl Bowl. And my interest level peaks at about a four. So almost to the map end of that scale. (laughs) Chuck, how about you? So who is one of you picked? properly right and had philly upsetting to go in last week i was right on both of these last week yeah Um, i'm I'm amazing at picking usfl games you should have placed that bet too the the stars or what was it plus 650 yeah i don't think i've been that interested in the map since the first uh national treasure movie but (laughs) i think I'm, i'm with phil i'm at like a i'm at a four i'm at a what what time is the game on is it like 10 a.m.? <laughs> I don't know. First <laughs> going, right? He's going to still. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. 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 Plenty of good seats still available. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Not as many as in Birmingham, but still enough <laughs> if you want to head down there for the first ever USFL Bowl Bowl. I- I'm like a 4.75 on this one. I'm really. <laughs> Mostly just struggling to think of new jokes about the USFL to get through these segments. So glad that it'll be wrapping up. But boys, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that the U.S. government approved trademark protection for the word the at the request of Ohio State University. With that news that the entire Burke family just went out and purchased (laughs) the t-shirts. I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get together and do this again real soon. Uh, Bravo. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) The. Chuck looking that up right now. Uh, Yeah, only Yoda's coming up. But squash like grape is definitely. I believe Danko. He has by far the best memory of all of us. Um, Uh, I don't know. All right, let's get this show rolling. Let's do it. Make that kid shut up, or I'm going to shut him up for you, Chuck. He's very Jesus. I know. Sorry. From the east side to the west, this is from the land. That kid's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Is he coming in? Doesn't he know what's going on? Do you see him? Is he licking it? No, he's he's trying to come in. He hasn't learned how to turn knobs like a velociraptor yet, so that's good news. (laughs) (laughs) The garden. The guardian's. Oche, ah, damn it. I practice like mm. all day. Yeah. This, yeah. Oche is correct. No, you no, did it. Oche is I right. Ochai Abaji. Ochai Abaji is how I is watched Ochai? a. Ochai Abaji. Ochai Abaji right. is how an announcer for Kansas said it last season. I watched like YouTube mm-hmm. videos. Apparently, everybody else thinks this is really hard to pronounce too. And we've got like Isaac Okoro. Like, why can't we just draft dudes named Ron? Smith. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So Chuck, Tampa Bay forced game six. They're up one nothing right now. Goal. Who's winning this series? I still think Colorado wins it. They're too good. Do they win it tonight? I don't know if they, they should. Are they going back They're to Colorado? They're so fast. Um, that's the biggest problem. But I think it probably goes back in a game seven, especially when Tampa Bay scored that early with the best goalie on the planet, basically, and net for them tonight. That's ice time. <laughs> yep. From the land. That's why I kept it short. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. What's is a period 20 minutes? Yes. Yeah. So we're at this kind of 
beginning stages of the second period. Mm-hmm. And so what, what's the deal? Like the, the, the Avalanche are like a super good offensive team and Tampa Bay has got like the best goalie in the world. So this is like the offense versus defense type um, of. They're both really good offensively, but Colorado okay. is so fast. Uh, that team is built on speed and it's hard for other teams to handle that speed. But Tampa's won two cups in a row. And they're and they're still young. Yeah. Like there's right I mean, two of their I have three former otters on there who are in probably twenty one at this point. Like they're still a younger team, but they still have veteran presence on it. But Jeez. Colorado's just a young team and really good. Um so I expected them to win, but it's been a good series. <laughs> Yeah, that does look really fast. Yeah. Yeah. I'll add it back in. More ice time. (laughs) More ice time. Over ice time. Over ice time. Over ice time. (laughs) What? That's terrible. Doesn't work. Give me a minute. (laughs) You're the head of communications? Jesus. Yes. That poor (laughs) bastard's making 22 grand a year. Yeah, right. I mean, we had the, the, the team folded here two years ago and I would go to some D league games and the most excited I ever was, was like, um, I was just kind of stay have like a bar that's on the floor. So I was just standing there and looked over and whoever they were playing, their coach was Jerry Stackhouse. Like that was the most exciting part of the oh, D league. Awesome. I'm like, he's that's really crazy. tall. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that guy is uncomfortably <laughs> tall. <in person>. Hey, would you guys be upset if they uh, packaged Rosario and Reyes for some players for this team? Depending on who yeah. they got, I, I yeah, mean, I think Rosario. You know, like that's for, that's for that's the showpiece. Otani, for, oh, wow. yeah, for <laughs> Otani and Trout, Otani and Trout, yeah. <laughs> we even throw in some cash. We have a we have a minority owner now. <laughs> yeah, I think Trout probably makes as much as three quarters of our team. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do you think that there's, do you think there's a market for Reyes? I don't know. I just think he's, I don't know. I think last year, if they could have traded him in, in August of last year for something, you would have gotten something for those two guys. But, um, I'm just trying to see what what pieces other than, you know, like farm hands. I know there's plenty of shortstops. They could probably trade at the a ball level or double a level, but. I don't know. I just I wish they had a catcher, a, a catcher that could somewhat hit. Yeah, yeah. that's I mean, like Wednesday. That's you know like Ernie Clement, the big urn is the last man on the roster, but he should not be batting in that situation. You know, like he should not be batting. Right, there. right. You shouldn't yeah. be batting yeah. there. Yeah, and you can't even with guys who can play a million different positions. What was the move there? You know, like what's the move? And I think Naylor was on the bench. If you put him in, mm-hmm. he goes to first. You put Owen Miller a third, who's played yep. a little bit over there, you know. But like, yeah, that's become yeah. somewhat of the problem. They're just not deep enough. Um, that one, well, I think, I, I think Tito, when he wants to give a guy a night off, like yeah. Naylor or J Ram, he yeah. sticks to that. He's committed. The, no, no matter yeah. how yeah. the game goes, you know, he sticks to that. There was a game the week prior where J Ram was like right. ready to jump in the game because he had those two games off. Yeah, and we ended up pulling it off anyway. Um, but he was, he was chomping at the bit to get in there and it was his, it was his off night. Like we gotta, I think, and maybe that's a good thing as the season goes on. Like, I think Tito might have a better idea of the big picture in these situations. I don't know, but when it's a one run game against a team that you just came back two games in a row against at the end of the game, right? You're like, Oh, Oh, I think, I think he does. And I think that's, that's why it, you, you can't look at these decisions late in games necessarily in a one game yeah. lens, you know, you've got to yeah. understand like that, that Castro guy came in to pitch and pissed away the lead against the twins that one night, but they, right. they needed him to throw because they had like 17 games in 18 days and they're trying to yeah. save arms. And so they've got, they got this guy up there. They got to get him in somewhere. And so you put and him in there weird... and he shits the bed and that sucks, but that's, 
that's not based on that game situation. <clears throat> it's not like Tito was like, you know, who's going to get me out here? Right. Castro. <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs> he's, well, he's like, we got to put this guy. We got to, we got number one. We got to see what this guy can do. We got to get him some work. We've got to protect some of these other arms and we're just going to roll the dice and see what happens. And, you know, did not go well, but. Tammy was Googling during the movie because I guess she's that person at the movie theater today. She Googled like, like 20 minutes in, she Googled uh, Jennifer Conley's age. Um, And then was just like, well, wait a minute. How old is Tom Cruise then? And Conley Conley's 51. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. She's still. Yeah. To me at least. Um, And doesn't, um, doesn't look like she's had work uh -uh. done to me. Yeah, she she has to be doing something. She can't just naturally look that good at fifty one. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll look that good at fifty one. But I, I was actually surprised Cruz was only fifty nine. I would have guessed that dude um, in his sixties. And goddamn handsome, like Jesus. Yeah, every he, time. Yeah, just right? so every good, time we go yeah. see a movie, and I went with my, I took my mom to see it, not Whitney. So, um, but every time me and Whitney would go see whatever he was in, it could have been American Made, it could have been one of the Mission Impossible. Every time I'm like, God, he's so handsome still. No, like, he's so like <laughs> yeah. he runs like, like a weirdo, but he's so handsome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that was the scene. And we can get to this all next week. I don't want right, to go was, too far into it, but the scene where he's running to find Goose's yeah. kid in the yeah. woods, like Emmy laughed out yeah. loud as he it's was so, running. <laughs> his form is awful. He's standing straight. Like awful. if a linebacker is blitzing. Yeah. And he's running like that. Oh, His career's gone. over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's the way he always, always runs. In every movie. Mm-hmm. Like, all the, always, like yeah. the original Mission yeah. Impossible always. movie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, oh, I was like man. laughing to myself in the car as I was yep. driving home from the movie theater. Like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be funny. <laughs> Uh, I didn't think I was going to have so much trouble getting through the um, bull bull and um, that's hilarious. Bull bull. I can't wait for you bull, to watch bull. the video to see you trying to stop yourself from laughing. Yeah. <laughs> that's got to be oh, a prime time game, right? Bull, on like NB, it's got to be on a major network. I would hope. And maybe it's on next Saturday when we're recording. It's, it's, it is. On, oh, no, I think it's, it's, Saturday it's the third, isn't it, on Sunday? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I don't know if they played any. Well, yes, they were playing games on Sundays, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two on each day. Um, let's see. Everything to know. I'm on the about same Stars web page you are right Stallions. now. <laughs> Sunday at 730. There's on Fox. Oh, yeah, oh damn! Go. We got to predict this again next week. Oh, I guess we didn't. I didn't. Yep. We didn't make predictions, right? <laughs> I never asked you who no, you thought was going to win. Perfect. All right, that writes itself. <laughs> but the, what this means is that we end up with having to do two more USFL segments because we got to cover the winners the next week. Damn mm-hmm. it! Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm really disappointed there weren't Man. more chip throwing rocks videos. Uh, from this past week, Chuck, what happened there? There's shells on the beach. I had to pick up shell pieces. Not even ro- there's no rocks. Oh, so I had to give him shell pieces to throw. But we did go uh, to the creek today, and he threw rocks for a good forty minutes. Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. I wonder if somebody will ever teach him to you know point his front shoulder at the target <laughs> as he's throwing. I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to let him. Maybe there's somebody in his life who knows to that let him kind develop of shit. On his I don't own. know. I'm trying not to force. Sometimes he goes underhand. Sometimes he goes overhand. Just let him let him do his thing. You don't know anything about being a dad. <laughs> He's two and a half, so I figure, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Let it. Got some time to develop there. Hopefully. Hopefully. Ma'am. Bowl Bowl was actually the last one of those that I thought of. Brilliant. As I was going through it today. Brilliant. 
we can't have too too many bulbul references. I was, I, I was trying to think. I was looking at like um, like like shitty pizza places. You know, is there like a CC's Pizza Bowl or something like that, or like, a, you know, like we have like I don't know if you guys have Hungry Howies. We have yes. Hungry Howies. Yeah, it's, here. Yeah, we got Hungry yeah. Howies. Yeah, Hungry Howies is pretty yeah. bad. Um, There's no not not like the NCAA bowls that are, you know, early on. Not like yeah. there's no Idaho Potato Bowl, nothing like that. So wait, so what are they? They're just calling it the USFL championship. championship. That's yeah. all they're calling it on on their missed opportunity yeah. website. Maybe indeed they need to hire a new marketing and yeah, you there know, you go, communication. There you go, director. God, I had a tough time today finding that one for you too, Chuck. I almost did like um, D League jobs don't open up. One I looked at there, there was a um, for an indoor football team in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, there's a backup mascot position. Backup? <laughs> the actual mascot. What? A backup mascot. <laughs> you you got to wear this shit the whole game, but like you're, you're like, you're like hiding unless the other guy's understudy. Like, you're an understudy <laughs> mascot. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. What is the mascot? Uh, Did like you see what it pirate. was? Like, it's like, it's like, yeah, like Adam the pirate or something. But I don't like want to be a pirate. <laughs> What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?